A few years prior to my arrival here in Rhode Island, after having lost over 30 pounds through Weight Watchers, I, was, I became a leader for Weight Watcher groups. <laughs> and what I liked about the Weight Watchers program is that it, at that point, was beginning to de-emphasize the number and talk more and more about wellness. And basically, the pitch was that if you followed the program, both nutritionally with the point system and through exercise, it wasn't all about the numbers going down on the scale, but about getting healthier and the other benefits of getting down to a healthy weight. And throughout the months that I was a group leader, I saw many people come and go. A lot of people come with great gusto those first couple of weeks, and they're ready to go, and they lose that first initial five or six pounds, but it never fails as time goes on, and they hit that first plateau, or it gets tough. They begin to drop out of the program. I remember one young man, he was probably in his late 20s, and he was a good-sized fellow. And he came because he truly did want to get healthier. He had a lot of motivation. He had just had his first child. And he really wanted to be able to be there for that child. But as he got engaged with the program, there was a problem for him. In order to get down to that healthy weight, he had to contend with his own understanding of what it meant to be a man. And that was all tied up with food. And so he struggled with the program because the amount of food that was within range of what he could eat was quite a bit less of what he thought were manly proportions. And the restrictions on alcohol and bar food and things like that really weighed heavily on that whole concept of his manhood. And even though we spent times talking about, but let's look at a different issue of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a good father, and how important it is that you live to see your children to adulthood. He just couldn't deal with what it would take in terms of eating and drinking and the amount that he'd have to reduce it and his image of what manhood looked like in terms of large portions, as I said at the early service, unlimited chicken wings and unlimited beer. He wanted to get well, but what it took to get there and the changes he would have to make in his life were too great a sacrifice for him to become the person that he dreamed of being. Now, I share this story in light of this morning's gospel because it's that wonderful story of the healing at Bethzada. And there we have the picture of Jesus coming into this porticoed bath and finding the invalid, who for 38 years, every day, had lain by the side of the pool in hopes that when the water churned up, he could be the first one basically to get in and be healed by those waters. But because he had nobody who could help him get into the water, he never made it. And so Jesus comes to him that day and asks him this question, do you want 
to be made well? Sounds like a no-brainer of a question, doesn't it? Do you want to be made well? Well, obviously he wanted to be made well because he came every day, somehow got there, and laid by this water, hoping to get in to the healing waters as they churned to be made well. But the question goes a little bit deeper than just the physical. Because in order for him to be made well, the whole of his life would have to be changed. No longer could he be self-identifying as an invalid. No longer could he lead the life of one dependent on other people. He would now, as a well person, have to find a way to earn his own way in the world. His whole identity would have to change. His whole way of being would have to change. And so the question that Jesus asked, do you really want to be made well, is really asking, are you willing to endure the changes in your life? Not just the physical change, but the psychological change as well in order to be fully well. Now, unfortunately, this passage ends a little too soon. It ends with a comment that Jesus does this on the Sabbath day, and there's going to be some rumblings among the um, Pharisees and the Sadducees about that. But later that day, if we read the passage further, what we'd find out is that Jesus runs into this man in the temple. And they have a conversation, and Jesus ends with, then go and sin no more. Now, from the ancient perspective, that made sense because illness and sin went together. And so Jesus not only heals him of his physical realities, but frees him from the chains of sin that literally held him down to the ground. And he now lives the life no longer as a sinner and marginalized person, but one who has been made clean and free of sin by Jesus. And so the question that each and every one of us is faced through the story is the same question. Do we want to be made whole? And whole being whole within our relationship with God. Do we truly want the fullness of God's grace in our lives? Or do we just want to pay at lip service? Are we willing to accept grace with the cost? That's the question. As my spiritual director in Syracuse once reminded me, When we talked about grace, we use it more about living into the dream that God has for you. We often call that living into God's will for you. Do we want to find that dream? Do we want to make the changes in our lives that are necessary to attain that dream? But the only way to attain that dream, as he wrote, is by a full surrender of ourselves to the way of God. In the language of the way of love, are we willing to fully turn our lives and live completely in the light of Christ?
the answer for most of us is probably no, because the costs are great. Jesus tells us in order to follow him fully, we must be willing to pick up our cross. We must be willing to march counter to the culture at times to fully follow Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian who lived between the First and Second World War and into the Second World War, offered a book way back then in which he titled, entitled The Cost of Discipleship. And his argument right in the first chapter was very clear. We all want grace, but we want cheap grace. We want the grace that comes with no work. Just like my friend in Weight Watchers wanted the healthy life, but without the work and the sacrifice that goes in it. And as we talk about this on this wonderful morning of Easter, we talk about this in light of both Memorial Day and the reading from Revelation. And I think Memorial Day and Revelation go together because in the United States, our concept of a free world is almost in parallel at times with what we fight for in terms of our freedom. Revelation talks to us about the kingdom of heaven, that place where there is no darkness, just light from the Lamb of God, where all who have washed in the Lamb come in one voice to worship and praise the Lamb. They wash in the river of life, in the blood of the sacrifice of the Lamb. That imagery is not that far from what we celebrate today when we talk about Memorial Day. And we talk about the fact that there is no price too great for the freedom that we celebrate in this country. And that freedom, time and time and time again, has been bought with the sacrifice of human life. Freedom, no greater price. God's grace and the ability to enter into the kingdom of heaven and bring that about on this earth both come at grace price a willingness to give our all either to our country which at times is a godly cause and fully to our christ and so on this sixth sunday of easter as we celebrate memorial day the question we are asked from our gospel is do we want to be made well? Do we want to walk in the light of Christ and all that goes with it? Or do we simply want the inexpensive form that ultimately gives us very little? Amen.